Let's go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And we'll begin reading at the beginning of the book. And once you find it, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And we'll read down through a number of verses here in the opening of this passage. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul writes to his beloved son in the faith for the second time. And here is what he tells him in this opening chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Which, by the way, I love that phrase. According to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice... I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us. And called us with a holy calling. God, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles." Father, I pray that you would help us as we look to this text here this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would communicate so clearly to our hearts that we would know precisely how to respond. Father, give me clarity of thought, sincerity of heart. And Lord, most importantly, I pray that it be your Holy Spirit that speaks to us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I am most interested in a phrase that I found in verse number 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. And I would like to preach this evening on this topic. Stir up your gift. When you study the Word of God, precisely in the New Testament, you realize that God has given you gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 8, the Bible says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 7, it says that every man hath his proper gift of God. One after this manner, and another after that. In Romans chapter number 12, we learn a little bit more about 
these gifts that Paul tells Timothy are in him. And in Romans chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 3, that aged apostle says this to the Romans. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. For that can be a problem when we're talking about talents, gifts, and abilities which are in you and in others. And we can be so terrible in comparing ourselves to each other. Well, he has this gift, and I'm not as good at that. So he gets out ahead of it, and he tells them in verse number 3, not to think of yourselves highly, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. In other words, to have an awareness according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. And if I could say this just by way of giving a broader understanding to the gifts that are intended to be used, here we are gathered together in one local church and we have this, this uh, formality that we call church membership. Uh, many times someone will join the church by way of baptism or they will have moved to the area or have believed that the Lord has led them to this place and we receive a motion and a second and we vote. All in favor say aye and all opposed voted and carried and we, we're real short on that nay thing, aren't we? And, and we bring them in. We bring them in. We say, hey, welcome to the family. But really, it should be said, welcome to the body because we are one body. And many members of that body. Not members as in, oh, my name is on some roll, but members as in instruments and, and appendages of a body, whether it be a finger, an arm, a leg, a, a mouth, an ear, a mind. That, that is the terminology used there in Romans chapter number 11. And each of us, uh, members individually, in particularly, but yet of one body, have been given gifts by God to be used as instruments of edification and of evangelization here in the church. Verse number 4 of Romans 12, For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, uh, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And we see this, these number of spiritual gifts and what was true for those in Rome and what was true for those in Corinth and what was true for those in Ephesus is true also for this young man in the faith, a man by the name of Timothy. And whether they were in Rome or Philippi or Ephesus, they all had the same problem and it's the same problem that you have tonight. And the problem is not whether or not God has given you a gift, ability, or talent. The problem is whether or not we're using it. 
You may feel sheepish sitting in the pew knowing already that the Holy Spirit of God is is starting to remind you of things that he has put in you and given you and called you and gifted you in and talented you uh, that you might be able to, to serve in the body. And perhaps there are some already feeling a bit sheepish tonight thinking, oh no, here it comes. How can I turn this scrawny little preacher off? Well, turn me off all you want, but please be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord is doing a work here and the most amazing thing about it is that he's brought you here to be a part of that work. And here is Timothy called and gifted by God and even Timothy, this this man that was used greatly in scripture had to be reminded by that older apostle that his gift must be stirred up. And that's the focus tonight, that we take the same advice and stir up our gifts. Pastor Jordan, there's a stool just inside this door. If you could grab that and and bring it here. I would like to illustrate the problem to you if, if I could. The Lord has given us a wonderful life. And has granted us an incredible privilege, thank you, of, of serving him. And he has done so with a, not a spanking spoon. That's what it is in our, in our house. No uh, <laughs> worry, okay. But he has, has given us an opportunity. And, and so many times in scripture, the Lord makes this parallel and this picture that our lives are a vessel. If you remember in the book of Jeremiah, he comes to Jeremiah and tells Jeremiah to go down to the, to the potter's house and see the work that he wrought on the wheel. And, and in that passage, he likens the nation of Israel to that vessel that's in the potter's hands, that's, that's fashioned a certain way. And, and that, that potter found a, an imperfection in that vessel and he cut that imperfection out and kind of squashed the work, but then wrought a work once again. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah to declare unto Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter did with that vessel? And the same is true with us, that the Lord constantly is doing a work on us and we need to stay malleable and flexible. We need to stay tender and soft to the work of God and and be yielded to the will of God. But you see, an outward vessel is not the only picture, but We're also a a vessel that's intended to be filled. And what he has done is he has given us, he has given us not milk. He's given us life. I should have done this beforehand. Now watch me. I feel like I need to have someone come sing a song or something while you're distracted. And I do this. Oh, good. Thank you, Lord, for not making me embarrassed and messing that up. But he has, has given us he has given us life, and He has given it, the Bible says, ah, more abundantly. I am in danger of making a mess now. And He has filled our cup. Some of you are really thirsty right now and would love a cold glass of 2% milk. 
But here's the wonderful thing about our Lord. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, why have regular milk when you can have chocolate? And the Bible has tells us concerning this gift. Not only has God given us life, but he says this in verse number six. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is, notice the location, which is in thee. And some of the things that we have are talents that are given to us by birth. And some of us were able to, to sing. I'm able to be loud, but I'm not really able to sing loud very well. And some of us are gifted in, in edification, in administration, in, in mercy, in teaching, in prayer, and in giving even, as Romans 12 mentions, and as, as I preached this morning. As some of us, we've been given talents, but all of us that are saved in Christ Jesus have also been given spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts have been given liberally. They have been given abundantly, and they have been given deliciously. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. And this is how many of us rest. Is the gift in there, the gift of Hershey's chocolate? Yes, absolutely it is. Now, I'm not going to attempt this because I'm pretty sure I'd get milk everywhere. But if I were to pick this thing up and turn it on its edge and begin to drink from the delicious goodness of this vessel, I would not taste chocolate milk. I would taste goodness. I would taste the sweetness of the natural milk that is in there. And that is how a lot of us operate yeah, we're, we're kind and we're sort of nice, most of us anyways. And, you know, we've got this wonderful life. And the Lord has given us a gift. But the problem is that gift sits dormant at the bottom of our vessel. And we could all stand and testify and say, Yes, the Lord has gifted me. Yes, the Lord has given me life. Yes, the Lord has given me talent. Yes, the Lord has given me ability. But the apostle comes to Timothy and he doesn't say, Hey, declare that you have talent. He does not say even to identify what gift that you have here. Although there are other portions of scripture that, that maybe indicate that. But I realize that I am preaching to a, a pretty mature, spiritually mature crowd here. I love preaching at Valley View Baptist Church. I am honored to be able to pastor here because you have a desire for the things of God. You've got a thirst for his word and you know you know, because you know the theology of it, that the moment that you got saved, there is a gift that was placed in you that's supposed to be used for the ministry of the saints. And I could go through and, and I could say, well, tell me what you're gifted in. Tell me what your talents are. And I could probably go through every single pew and every single row here. And you would probably be able to give me, to give me something. And for those who can't give me anything, your gift is negativity. But in this passage, he does not say, 
be aware of the gift that is in thee. He does not say, be knowledgeable about the gift that is in thee. He does not say, hey, there's a gift that is in thee. What he does say, however, is to stir up the gift that is in thee. And if I were to go over here to this creamy white vessel and go down to where the gift is and begin to stir, you are going to notice that a glorious change will begin to take place. It is going to transform this glass of milk, oh yes, there it is, into a fantastic drink called chocolate milk. And notice how just stirring up something that was resting in the bottom. Oh, I, oh there's some still. I just want to scrape all the goodness out of it. I, have you ever got to the bottom of a good glass of chocolate milk or in the coffee world, a mocha, and there's all that chocolate there at the bottom and you're just like trying to get all of it out of there? I think that's the way that we need to be with our spiritual gifts, the talents and abilities that God has given us because God desires that we stir up, I better leave that right there, I'll make a mess, that we stir up the gift that is in us. Listen, if you have been saved by the grace of God, you've got a gift inside of you that is intended to be used for his glory. You've got a gift that's supposed to be for the edification of the saints to reach others in Christ. But here we sit like creamy white milk and all that gift is at the bottom. And in our head, we know it's there. We may be even, to be, even be able to tell you some details about what that gift is. But the command to Timothy is to stir up the gift that is in thee. I love this. I'm not going to try to say the Greek word because I'll stumble all over it, but it's actually a double compound word. The word stir up. It is a double compound word that has a much cooler illustration even than the milk and the chocolate. It means to stir into a flame and to keep things blazing. It's like taking a, taking a coal of fire and just putting air to it and begin to kindle that flame and allow that flame to burn and to consume everything and to allow that flame to continue to burn, to re, be rekindled and then after the rekindling to allow that flame to keep on blazing. And when the apostle Paul tells Timothy to stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, he's saying, Hey, God has put some powerful things inside of you and it's time to stir them up and let them be used. And I want to say the same thing to the church tonight. It's time to stir up our gifts. It's time to take the things that God has given us and to use them for his glory. I want, to, want you to notice a few things that Paul calls Timothy to so that he can stir this gift up. There's a number of times in this passage, in the opening of it, where Paul talks about his own remembrance. Look at verse number 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee. And it does something in Paul when he remembers his forefathers and when he remembers Timothy. Uh, look down a little bit further in verse number 5. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in these. Talking about this remembrance that he has. But when he comes down to verse number 6, he is very clear on who needs to start remembering. 
It's now not an act of Paul remembering some things, but an act that Timothy is commanded to come to. Verse number six, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. And there's a few things that I just want to help us remember tonight. The first one is this. Considering the gift that is in thee, we need to remember its presence. We need to remember the fact that God has placed in us gifts, abilities, and talents that he desires to be used for his glory. There is nothing more clear than the, than the dogmatic statement in verse number six, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. I know that sometimes we feel so helpless, so useless, so cast out, so dejected, so incapable. We get downright depressed thinking about the abilities that we do not have. I recently spoke to a, to a very good pastor friend of mine. And he was telling me about some of the struggles that he has had recently. And this may surprise you, but he had struggles of comparing himself to those in ministry around him. And he started telling me how, how he just felt so insufficient and so incapable and so unable. And it, and it took him into this dark place in his own world, in his own ministry. And he took that depression home to his wife and to his kids. And they were just in this, in this terrible place. And it all spurred out of this comparative approach that, well, I can't preach as well as that preacher can. And I can't administer as well as, as that pastor can. And it seems like I'm always having a hard time communicating but that pastor over there, it seems like he's always communicating so well to everyone. And he fell into this issue of comparison. And in doing so, he forgot to remember that he's got a gift inside of him. A gift that's given, that, given to him, not by his mother or his father. He didn't get that gift by going to some Bible college or studying by some professor. Hey, that gift was given to him by God. And that same God that gave him the gift gave you one too. And that gift isn't given to everyone in here. And if this church is going to have all of the things that the Lord intended for it to have, then it's time to come over to your vessel and start stirring. Do you remember what that gift is? Do you remember what that gift is? Some of you have the gift of patience and you need to sign up for the nursery right now. Some of you, you've got the gift of mercy and there are people that are grieving. There are people that are hurting. There are people that the Lord has brought to this church because they feel that other churches have pushed and have rejected and they feel so judged. And you with the gift of mercy need to come alongside them. You need to stir up your gift. And whenever you find yourself in conversation with the broken with the downtrodden, with those of a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Use that gift and stir it up. Oh, there are some people so gifted in here with the gift of mercy and the gift of grace. Do you remember what gift is in you? Some of you, you've got the gift to, to teach and the gift to give. Some of you, you've got 
a, a gift, just a natural or a supernatural ability to work and to lead others to Christ. Some of you, you've got that gift of discipleship and patience. Others, you've got that gift of administration. And I couldn't go through all the gifts that are represented here tonight, but I do want to say, hey, remember its presence. It is inside you. It hasn't left. It has not disappeared. It has not gone anywhere else. But there it is right inside of you, residing in your heart, in your soul, in your members. And you've got to remember that thing and stir it up. Not just the spiritual gifts, but the talents that God has given you. Oh, has God given you an ability to sing? It's time to remember that and stir it up. Yes, here comes the plea for choir practice at 4.45 on Saturday, on, on Sundays. Yes, it can be inconvenient. Yes, it's a little bit of work. And that's the nature of stirring. I can remember when I was a little boy, I was there at the kitchen counter and my mom was making chocolate chip cookies. And she was doing it from scratch. There were eggs and sugar and some kind of floury powder thing. And there was butter. Oh, there was butter. And I can remember all these things going into the bowl. And my mom, and if you know my mom, she's about the same size now as she's been the re- the, her whole life. She's about like five foot one and maybe that's being generous. And she takes her arm and she begins to stir that bowl. And I can start to smell the things that are mixing up and being stirred up in that bowl. And I, I got a desire to help out. So here's little Jared. Mom, can I help stir the bowl? She turned it over to me. So I did what mom did. I got up on the, on the chair and I grabbed the bowl and I pulled it towards my little side and I grabbed the spoon and I shoved it in there and I started to stir. I started looking at my puny little arm. I can't stir very fast. I stirred for like maybe 10 seconds and that's being, that's embellishing, okay? I stirred a few times and it was hard and I shifted over and started to use the other arm and I decided real quick, mommy, I don't like doing this. And I gave it back to her and she took that bowl and she went back after it again. She was a lot stronger than I was. I learned right then and there, cooking is hard. It's hard. And it's not just hard to like make something that tastes good, but it's like a workout. You got to stir and you got to lift stuff and you got to stir and you got to lift more stuff. And it's, it's hard work. But I learned that day as a little boy, it's work stirring stuff. And I'll tell you, every time I came into the kitchen after that, I'd look at mom and she'd be stirred and I knew I didn't want to do that. I'll let mom do that. And I'll tell you, it's work to stir up our gift, to take the abilities, the talents, and the spiritual gifts that God has given us and decide, no, they're not going to rest complacent there on the bottom. They're not going to sit like sediment on the sand, but instead I'm going to stir it up so that those gifts don't just affect me, but so that they affect everyone else too. Oh, if we're going to stir up the gift of God, we need to remember its presence, that it is in thee. The next thing that we have to remember is not just its presence, but we need to be aware of its purpose. I noticed there's a 
There's a consistency. And, and here's a wonderful thing that I would encourage you all in, is if you spend some time with some of the, the people that, that the Bible has written to, Timothy, Titus, for example, and, and you, you spend some time with the man that God used to write that, you'll find that there's a relationship and there's a familiarity between the Apostle Paul and, and Timothy. And this is not the first time that the Apostle Paul comes to Timothy and, and is urging him to stir up and to, to use the gift that God has given him, which makes me think Paul kind of knows Timothy's strengths and weaknesses. He, he knows what, what potential Timothy has, but he also knows that Timothy is sometimes fearful. And I'll point that out here in a moment. Timothy's sometimes reluctant. And I'll show you that here in just a second. But if you'll turn over here, we're in 2 Timothy. So in my Bible, I'm going to turn over just two, uh-oh, just two pages to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And I want you to look with me at verse number 15. It's, it's kind of interesting to me that, that the Apostle Paul, he closes out the first letter to Timothy, kind of referring to Timothy's gift, and then he opens up the next letter reminding Timothy, hey, stir up that gift that we talked about. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 15. Again, same author, same recipient. And he says in verse 14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. He says, Take heed unto thyself and unto doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And, and we see, especially there at the beginning of verse number 14, that there is this urgency and consistency. As Paul writes to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, he says, Hey, neglect not the gift that is in thee. In 2 Timothy, stir up the gift that is in thee. In other words, he's coming to him on a couple different occasions saying, Hey, this is important. You've got to do this. God has given you this gift. You've got to stir it up. It is in you. But then he does this. He, re- he asked him to remember its purpose. Notice what is said in verse number, verse number 14 of 1 Timothy 4. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of, hand, of the hands of the presbytery. And then he says this in verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Why? Here's why. That thy profiting may appear to all. Church family, listen. The presence of your gift, it is in you. And it may be in you, but it's really not for you. It's for the benefit of others. It's for the benefit of someone else. It's supposed to be used that others may receive the blessing of the gifts that have been given to us. And that's why he tells Timothy in verse 15, meditate on these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. And as we stir up the chocolate that's at the bottom of this this drink and we, we bring it to the top, we make it available to everyone that would 
drink from this. Maybe there's some that are ready to charge the stage right now. And the gift that God has given us, it is not for our advantage. It is not for our glory. Oh, we don't stand on this stage and sing and use the talents that God has given us for our glory. But we do so that we might glorify our Father which is in heaven, that we might honor Christ, and that we might minister grace to the hearers as well. That we might bring others into a heart of worship. As we sing, our purpose is for others. As we preach and as we teach, our purpose is for others. As we show graciousness and mercy, our profit is for others. The gift that God has given us is for the benefit of others. There was a time in 2007 where I was high in the mountains of Afghanistan, one of the most impoverished countries I've ever been to in my life. And I've been to a bunch of them. There are children that were dying from starvation. There's no resources. And there were some village elders that approached what we called a sub-governor at the time and requested humanitarian assistance. And, and my job at that current stage in my deployment was to supply humanitarian assistance when requested. So the request came to me. I found out the nature of the need. I figured it out. And we got, we've got, we got rice and, and beans and, and, and made sure that they had coal for their, for their fire, charcoal for their fires and, and so that they could feed their communities. And, and what we wanted to do was not to <coughs> drive down there and and just say, well, here's what the U.S. government will give you. But we, we really wanted to do through the, you know, provide it through the local channels. So we, we got all these containers, thousands of pounds worth of food, and, and delivered them by Chinook helicopters out to these village leaders, to these sub-governors. And those sub-governors delivered them to the elders. And as far as we knew, the, the people were being fed. And the elders were, were um, taking care of the tribes in which they, were, that they had eldership over. Several weeks go by and we receive a similar complaint. Hey, these, there, there's, there's starvation in this area. So we just sent thousands of pounds of food down there. So we get on a helicopter. We fly out to figure out what's going on. They didn't know we were coming. And sure enough, we go in. And the elders' houses are full of food. And they're selling it. Now, I want to be fair. This was not all over the country. This is this, this one instance. So I'm not trying to say that everyone that was in leadership at that time in, in the national Afghan government was corrupt. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that those men had taken a gift that they did not pay for and resources that were not of their own making and were stockpiling it in their homes and selling it for profit. Meanwhile, some of the most destitute, impoverished, starving families and children you've ever seen in your life were dying in their communities with no heat, with no food, and you could only imagine. I'm getting mad just remembering it. 
You can only imagine the frustration and the anger. We started dragging those bags of rice just out into the street and putting it out on the bullhorn. Everybody come. It's time for everybody to eat. And we made sure everyone knew what this guy was doing because he was taking a gift that was given not for his benefit and he was using it for his own flesh and for his own home and for his own profit while others were in dire need of the gift that was given to him. And how much more when God puts in us something of greater riches even than the food that is on our plate and the roof that is over our head. But he has given us the ability to minister things like grace and the gospel and eternal life. Oh, that he has given us the ability and the gift of the Holy Spirit to edify and to encourage the brokenhearted and the downtrodden and for those who have given up on life. And he has put that where? In us. But friends, it's not for us. It's so that others, those around us, might be benefited. Oh, woe is me. If I preach the gospel for my own benefit, God help me. If I use the, the church for my own gain. And if that ever happens, you all better kick me out. You better throw me out of that window, then throw me back in that one, then throw me out of that one, and then throw me back in that one, and then go down the other side as well. Because this church, this ministry, this gift that God has given me and that God has given you is not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of those around us and for the glory of God. Oh, and we need to stir up the gift of God that's in us. Why? Because we got to remember its presence. It's in us. We must remember its purpose. Not for us, but for others. I believe that's why Paul was so dogmatic to Timothy. Neglect not the gift that's in you. He comes back with the next letter. Stir up the gift that's in thee. And I know we have all kinds of excuses and reasons for not doing that. Yeah, you know, I personally believe that Timothy had his own excuses for not stirring up and using the gift that God has given him. We're back in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We know what, we he, what we've been reading in verse number 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of, of my hands. And here is a, is a verse that comes after it that we often quote but we don't connect it to the passage and in doing so we fail the power that is present in the word. For once he says to stir up the gift of God which is in thee, the very next thing that he says in verse number 7 is for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why is that verse right after this command to stir up the gift? Because we are so good at coming up with excuses not to stir up the gift. Well, pastor, I'm afraid. Hey, I'm afraid too. Well, pastor, I just don't know if I'm able. I can't believe. I cannot believe that the Lord, that the Lord has allowed me to pastor a church. I mean it. I'm not able 
Oh, but it's by the grace of God. And that's what makes it powerful. That's what makes it wonderful. And you might be sitting there in fear and and in rejection and, and feeling like you are insufficient. Well, get on board. Jump on the train. We're all insufficient and we're all scared. But we lift our eyes unto the Lord. And we know that He will help and that He will supply the need. Because this gift, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit anyways. So what do we say? How we stir it up. There's one other group of people in here tonight. One other group of people that are concerned about stirring up that gift that's in them and it's been sitting in the bottom of that vessel for too long. And the reason that you've been afraid to stir is because you've forgotten that the gifts and callings of God, according to the book of Romans, are without repentance. So if we're going to stir up the gift, we're going to have to remember its presence, it's in us. We're going to have to remember its purpose, but we need to remember its permanence. So, Pastor Jared, you just don't know what I've what I've done in the past and you don't know the mistakes that I've made and the tarnish that's on my record. Look, I am aware that there are certain things that may disqualify us from certain applications of our gift, whether it's the pastor. I realize that there are some qualifications that we have out of propriety even in this culture where maybe we are not going to be able to use our gift in a certain capacity. However, just because we can't use our gift in one capacity or another because of something that may have happened in the past, it does not mean that that gift does not reside there. And it does not mean that there are not other avenues by which to stir up that gift and to utilize that gift. Because when God gives a man a gift, according to Romans chapter 11, verse number 29, it says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Let me give you the Jared commentary version of that. That means God didn't change his mind. God's not taking it back. God's not going to turn his back on a gift that he's put in you, that a talent that he's given you, that was intended to be used by God for others and for his glory. So for those who are afraid to dip that spoon of remembrance into the vessel of their life, let me remind you, God's not done. God's not done. God's not finished with you. God's not cast you out. God hadn't said, well, they messed up that one time, so they're finished now. No, remember its permanence. It's there forever. And it doesn't matter what some man says or what some lady says. God says that his gifts are without repentance. And not only that, but that permanence is by his power. When I look at this text, I see the heart of the Apostle Paul as he speaks to Timothy concerning his fear about stirring this gift up. Can I imagine as that that quill makes its way across parchment, leaving the crisp lines of these letters, there's a lot going on in Paul's mind that don't make it into the words Remember, we've already observed 
Neglect not the gift that's in thee in letter one. Stir up the gift that's in thee at the very beginning of letter two. And then this discussion about fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And in the back of mind, I wonder, I wonder how much Paul is thinking about how Timothy has had to watch the sufferings of Paul. Well, Paul, you've been thrown in prison. You've been hunted down. You've been stoned. You've been left for dead. You've been chased all over, all over creation. Maybe he's saying, Paul, I'm just afraid. In verse number eight, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. And I love this last phrase. According to the power of God. I'll be honest, it's a scary thing to stir up that gift. You can choose to believe this or not, but I tell you the truth. Saturday nights are so difficult for me. The Lord helps me so much on Sundays. But I get sometimes so fearful. Fearful I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or that I got the wrong message or that I didn't study it enough or that the Lord's hand won't be with me or that something will happen that I'm just not ready for. I'm just telling you, Saturday nights are a monster for me sometimes and I need to strengthen my faith and rest with peace in the Lord that His grace will do what His grace always does and takes good care of me. Oh, and I have an easier time remembering that Sunday when the sun rises and I drive and I make my way to good old 3521 Old Valley View Drive. And I park over in the field and I walk up to this building and I just know, oh, the Lord is with us all. But Friday nights, it's difficult. For Saturday night, it's difficult. I just have to remind myself that it's by the power of God anyways. If you're here tonight, you're just concerned of what will happen if you try to stir up that gift. Could I remind you that it's by the power of God anyways. It's not you it's not your ability to articulate. It's, it's, it's the gift of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the power of His Word. It's the fact that God honors faithfulness. Just be faithful. That God honors surrender. That God honors a yieldedness. God honors a brokenness. God honors humility. And if we would just come to Him broken and humble and yielded and will, willing and faithful and ready then the Lord will do the rest but we have a job to stir up that gift that is in us I say maybe for some of us that gift has laid dormant for too long